Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the PFN Scouting Podcast. And Ian, we're almost to the end of the season. We have Conference Championship Weekend coming up in front of us, but we are here to talk mostly about the NFL Draft, and we have a very special episode. It's our favorite episodes to do. We are ask, we are answering the questions that you have asked us. That is right. We are doing a mailbag today, but as always, I have to ask, Ian, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, Thanksgiving weekend was fun. I think I slept about like 40% of the time I was back home, so uh, that's amazing, a, a good, actually. It's a good chance to recharge, man, because that time of the year, the season, right, it's all the grind is just kind of, you know, building and building each week, so it was good to get a little time to kind of decompress before conference championship weekend. But you mentioned it. I mean, week 14, 15, it's already here. Uh, it's crazy. We were just doing our summer previews. It felt like yesterday. And now it's, you know, we're almost to the end. We're to the next stage of the process. But you mentioned it. We got a mailbag podcast. We talk a lot. So let's get right into it. Time is a finite resource. Let's use it as yeah, best it, we can here. I, I wanted to say it's, it's crazy because I obviously cover both sides of it. And it does seem like the college season has just absolutely flashed past, whereas yeah. the NFL season is kind of dragging along a little bit. So funny that there's that dichotomy and you know you're covering the same sport just at a different level and one is already almost over and the other one you still have a good couple of months to go um but yeah let's get into it the first question i'm going to refer to a previous talking point on the podcast brian Moffey, thank you so much for listening every single time of every player in the draft class who has the best and the worst drip now nobody this year really stands out as like worst drip because when I think of like worst drip I'm thinking of like uh Trey Hendrickson who as a pass rusher I knew you were gonna bring him up I knew that was like the name you can't be big white with like the loose team colored sleeves and no gloves it's a terrible look he's an awesome pass rusher an awesome player terrible drip nobody at the college level in my opinion really stood out to me, but somebody who stood out to me that has great drip. And a lot of the times guys wear different or wear the same thing every week. It's the same armbands and everything. That's not the case with Texas A&M linebacker Edrin Cooper. I have been looking up photos of him because I knew that he had great drip, but I didn't notice when I've been watching him that it's different all of the time. Sometimes he'll go with sleeves. Sometimes he'll go with like the the short compression sleeve, the half sleeve. Sometimes he'll have the turf tape. Sometimes he has bands. He does a little bit of everything, and it all looks good with the visor. I can't wait for him to be at the NFL level and have a black visor, uh, a black mirrored visor. It's gonna look sick. Yeah, and the way he plays the game just makes it that much better. It's it's really fun to watch. I, you know, I, Brian, they're going to audit like how I use my time. Like, hey, how'd you use 8 to 10 a.m. today? And I got to say, I was reviewing drip. Like, I got to say, I was watching film for the drip, man. Like, when I watch film, drip is like secondary. It's like if I need to distinguish it, right? Like, you know, those TCU uniforms that are black or like dark purple with the, with the red numbers. Oh, like, I need, uh, I need the drip to distinguish because oh, I cannot see the numbers. I, you can't see the exactly. numbers. So, like, they're the worst. They're the worst. They're the worst uniforms in college football. It's not even close. Oh, oh uh, Oregon has uniforms that are, are tough to see as well. I think they're the white ones with like the white, yeah. white numbers yeah, like or something. But um, but yeah, it's like like drip yeah. is like a it's a survival method for me. Like if I need to pay mm-hmm. attention to it, like then I'll make notes of it. So 
Brian, thanks to you. I was using my time very inefficiently this morning. I was looking for a drip. But hey, I got to say, Jalen Milrow, I don't know if he declares this year, but he's got some nice drip for a QB. I think the the long sleeve on the left side, the long sock, the long sleeve. And yeah, I think that dichotomy, that duality of man uh, is really appealing. So I'll take it. That, I, I None of the players stood out with like bad drip. I, I haven't seen one that just stands out as like, wow, that's terrible. But I'll have to keep looking for that. I'm, I'm going to be much more vigilant with that later on. <laughs> Yes, and if you guys want a little bit of drip, the PFN Merchandise Store is now open and it's just in time for the holiday season, y'all. Visit pfnmerch.com for exclusive shirts, sweaters, hats, and more for the football fan in your life. Act now, take advantage of the sales that we have going on, and go to pfnmerch.com today, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's get back to our scheduled programming. The top five non-quarterbacks in the 2024 NFL Draft. I mean, I think that this one's probably pretty cut and dry for us. It's Marvin Harrison Jr., Joe Alt, probably... Oh, I, I would have to look at the big boards now. Dang it, do you have the big boards up? Because I don't have the I big boards I had it pulled up. up a couple of minutes ago, and this is from SCU Productions. Does some good work on YouTube. Uh, good to see Julian. I got uh, Marvin Harrison Jr., I think. Mm-hmm. I'm blanking now, man. I had it in my head. I was I, Okay, so go. I have them up. I have them up. Uh, mine's Marvin Harrison Jr., Brock Bowers, Joe Alt, Olu Fashanu, and then Malik. Yeah, Davis. I think I, I have you the same have... one except Joe Alt and uh, Bowers are switched, I think. Or maybe it's Joe Alt. Yes. Alt is my second one, and then Bowers is. Yes, yeah. Alt's your second. You have Neighbors as your third. That's right. You really like Malik Neighbors, I really, and I love, really like I love that for yeah. you. I do. I love that for you. And also just Jerzon Newton up there being at number eight for you as well. Just absolute fantastic. The offensive talent is definitely uh, more volume, but Jerzon is up there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, next question. It's not even a question. It's a, it's a it's a comment here from Lorenzo, our co- our colleague at PFN. I, uh, I, I transcribed it. He actually asked this a few months ago, <laughs> a couple okay. months ago. I wanted to make sure we didn't lose it, but he was asking about Mountain okay, West okay, okay. Uh, uh, prospects in, the, in this draft. So uh, a few guys that stand out to me, UNLV wide receiver Ricky White, real quick, really productive, uh, explosive, kind of twitchy guy, you know, high energy route runner. I think he's really thrived in that offense. And he's a former Michigan State guy. So he's definitely got the juice of athleticism. I'm really interested to see if he can be a sleeper in this class. Tavion Coleman was at Utah State. I actually just remembered he transferred to Texas State. I don't know how I forgot that, but uh, he was on my list it for happens. Mountain West. But he he transferred, but I like him as a disruptor. And then Colorado State's got Dallin Holker at tight end, a really reliable chain mover, uh, contested catch threat. So a few guys to keep an eye on in the MWC. From Ian Valentino, our boss at PFN. Will the league be fair and recognize Bucky Irving for his greatness or will they punish him for his size? They better be. That's what I'm saying. They 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 better be fair to him. That's uh, you, no, that's I think we can leave it at that. He's one of the most fun prospects in the NFL draft class. What is the highest you would draft a center in this draft? Specifically for the Cowboys and who? This is from Risley Rosenbush. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with the Cowboys center situation. Tyler's been really good for them. Tyler Biotish, um, but he's obviously up for a contract and they're already paying, a, a. they have to pay a bunch of guys. So I don't know. I mean, who, who is your top guy 
uh, in this draft class for centers. Well, there's a few yeah. options. I think that's the good part, you know, in this class. Mm-hmm. If you do end up needing a guy, Cedric Van Pran was my top guy coming into the year. Yep. But Zach Frazier has been really, really good for West Virginia. Really like his tape. And then Graham Barton at Duke as well. You know, I think he's got five position mm-hmm. versatility. So maybe they look at him as a potential center, right? He's played tackle at Duke. But, yeah. you know, that could be one. And, then, and the Cowboys love positional versatility yeah, exactly. as well. So somebody like Barton who played center as a freshman, he's played tackle since then. But he, he does have that experience there. Yeah. So I think Graham Barton would be a nice one. But, like, how high would you take any of these guys at this point? Frazier you guys will have to check out the seven round mock I'm releasing, but Frazier cracks the, the round one for me. I think he does have that potential him and Van Pran to Barton as well. I think the senior bowl is going to be big for him. Uh, Jackson powers Johnson from Oregon. If he declares is another one, really good space blocker, really physical player. Uh, so a few guys at the top for sure. I don't know. I think if you're the Cowboys late in round one, like that's good enough. Yeah. Picking it, picking at pick 32. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, is this a year with more first round prospects in quotations than normal years if so which players are maybe second round this year but would be first rounders in other years this is from mama apensap there you go i think uh you know i think honestly there are more than usual i i do think that's kind of the vibe i'm getting from this class especially with a, there's so much offensive yeah talent a few specific positions that are really really dense with potential first round talent i look at offensive tackle right i look at wide receiver as well corner it has started to kind of grow within that realm i think Terrian arnold denzel burke a few guys that are playing really well uh, so i think a few of those really talent dense positions are kind of inflating that round one value. So I do think we could see that. And then there's a question about the offensive tackles. Oh, I think one prospect that could be a second rounder because of that, Emeka Aguka, just because of the injuries this year. Yeah. I had him as a first round guy heading into the year. I still have a very high opinion of his route running ability, his three level upside. Uh, but the injuries, the depth of the receiver class might push a guy like that down to round two. And if you're the Panthers at 33, like I'd, I'd swoop that up in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, and, and I think that you brought up a good point because you have to look at the the positional disparity in this. So like you have a bunch of wide receivers, you have a ton of fantastic offensive tackles in this class too. And guys who like could be first round guys. um, I think Jordan Morgan is, is one guy that I really like. He's a freak athlete and, you know, he's had some injury concerns in the past, um, but he's played really, really well this year. I think that he's a guy who would probably be a first round guy in most years, but this offensive tackle class is is so talented and then it also has some just absolute freaks mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Like when we look at Kingsley Suamataya, who like might not, you know, be in the top two rounds in this draft class, depending on how things go, but is quite possibly the best athlete in the entire class out, you know, irregardless of position. Mm-hmm. So I think there's it's just a really fun class overall. Yeah, you got Joe Alt, Olufashanu, you got Amarius Mims, Talise Fuaga, you got Suman Mataya, like you said, Jordan Morgan, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, Patrick Paul is getting a mm-hmm. lot of buzz, 36 inch arms, super mm-hmm. powerful. Uh Kieran Amagaji, super athlete from Yale as well. You know, if he's healthy down the stretch, I think he could get some get some runs. So a lot of really fun prospects. And I'm sure I missed a couple here and there. I, I think uh, there's just so much tackle tackle talent and Graham Barton, Graham if Barton, you think Graham right? Barton's a tackle exactly. at the so, next level. Exactly, so, you know, there's a lot of talent to be had in this class, and I think that's really going to, you know, on one hand, teams are going to be jumping at the gun to, you know, get these guys, but on the other hand, the depth of that position might, you know, convince them, like, hey, maybe we can take another guy and, and, and kind of push that off a little bit. So it'll be fun to see how they play around with that value proposition. Yeah, I agree. Now, moving on, um, 
what are your slanderous this is my favorite i was gonna say you're gonna have a lot of fun with this one what what are your slanderous comps for your top five quarterback prospects i love this question um let's get into it caleb williams it has to be zach wilson it has to be zach wilson that's that's the slanderous one. It's just because of the way that they both play, running around, trying to make big plays, big throws. I think that that's got to be it. Drake May is Wyoming. Wyoming, Josh Allen, I think is the slanderous comp for him. Uh, the next quarterback on my board is Jaden Daniels. Um, I think a slanderous comp for him – man, that is a, a tough This is one. the one I was most excited about, so I'm just like – I'm, I'm giddy. A slanderous comp for for Jane Daniels. Flat Stanley. Flat Stanley. <laughs> if it, if you don't know who Flat Stanley is, he's literally a piece of paper. And we used to take him uh, with us to, like, vacation. So Flat Stanley was part of our family. But it's like a thing. And I didn't know that it was like a thing for a while. But, yeah, just absolutely paper thin. J.J. McCarthy. I, I was trying to think of a slanderous QB comp for JJ McCarthy, but I don't, I don't really think that I have a slanderous one for him. Can you think of any like who he plays like that's bad? <laughs> he plays like it's bad. I don't really know, man. I mean, I you know what I might say because just because of the not maybe the similarities in the offenses, but like just not really needing him to throw the ball to win a bunch yeah. of games would be Trey Lance. Yeah. That could be it. He's not as big. He's not as powerful of a runner as Trey Lance, but they both have big arms. They're both not really meant to, like, lead their offenses. Mm-hmm. They don't have to. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let's go with Trey Lance for him. And then my last one is Bo Nix. Um, and my slanderous comp for Bo Nix is Auburn Bo Nix. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. I think there's some connection there. No, like, I, I knew you were going to have fun with this one. I was struggling with mm-hmm. this, so you, you carried the load there. But I think That's good. you're too nice. I know. I just, that's the problem, man. I think I was like trying mm-hmm. to think of one for Jaden Daniels, but like, I mean, like, yeah, I just, it's not my, it's not my prerogative, but you, you carried that one. I, I, and I think flat Stanley in particular, that, that got me. That, that's 10 out of 10, A plus. I love it. I love it. I love this question as well, and it, it's funny because don't have him listed as a top five quarterback, but Michael Penix Jr. is often listed as the fifth or sixth quarterback, but all he does is win and play well under pressure. If teams learn nothing about drafting quarterbacks, this is from Rippy into Clark, which is fantastic because it makes me think of Brett Rippy and how I missed on him. But, um, yeah, I mean, when you look at the injury history, I think that that's really the the biggest concern with him. I think another concern is there are times where, yes, he. I think that he plays well under pressure for the most part, but there are times where he does a lot of fading away. And, I mean, it's just because he's getting absolutely blasted in the pocket. And the Oregon game's a big one there. Um, and he played incredibly well, but there were also times where there were underthrows. There were times where there could have been balls that were picked that weren't. But the throws along the sideline, the downfield accuracy – um, the arm strength that he has shown this year, I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up being a first round pick just from a talent perspective. But when you look at everything else that goes along with it, it's hard to pick him over some of these other guys, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the medical is going to be key. And then I think these past few weeks in particular, I think a lot is going to be put into his Oregon game for the Pac-12 championship because these past few weeks, right? You know, one thing that I've been really complimentary of on his tape is the 
you know, precision when he's kind of hitting those tight window throws, right? Those outside the number mm-hmm. throws, but his accuracy on just routine, like crossers and things like that, like it can be kind of volatile, right? So I think, you know, mm-hmm. that situational precision doesn't expand cr- across all types of throws for him. I think he's really good at hitting those drive throws, but when he needs to, you know, mix a little more touch on it again, and that's something that a lot of QBs in this class struggle with, but Penix is is within that category too. So I think, you know, the guy who's got the prototypical size, he's got great arm strength. Uh, I do think he has that for sure. Uh, but then a little stiff in hips, the injury history, right? The accuracy fluctuations. Those are some things that might, knock him down a bit i think the injuries are gonna be the biggest thing though that's the biggest factor the yeah. variable for him especially with bo Nix and Jaden daniels and jj mccarthy and carson beck as well you know he's kind of becoming a factor in this class too so you know there are some numbers working against him the injuries are going to be the big wild card if it checks out you know all it takes is one team to take him round one but i think you know across the board a lot of teams are gonna have questions about that and we also have to look at translatable traits yeah. and, and i think that that's a something that you know, like when I'm talking to my friends back home, they're like, oh, why isn't this dude a, a first round pick? He's through for like 5,000 yards, 40 touchdowns, and they won 10 games. Like he should, he's awesome, mm-hmm. right? It was like, well, no, it's like th- this is what the offense gives him. This is what, you know, defenses are showing him. Like he's really not great. I mean, you can look at, at somebody like the backup right now who is playing in Cincinnati, Jake, Jake Browning, yeah. who just went absolutely nuts at Washington, threw for like 100 touchdowns in his senior year of high school, but he just doesn't have the physical tools to be an NFL quarterback. And we also have to look at that when we're looking at all this. Now, I think that Penix has those physical tools to be an NFL quarterback. So that's not what I'm saying with him specifically. I'm just saying as a whole, that's something that we have to remember when we are talking about the evaluation of quarterbacks going up to the next level. Mm-hmm. We have two questions here. One from Brian. Again, thank you, Brian. Oh, uh, and one from... Did we skip one from Nick Martin? Oh, yeah. Sorry, we did. I didn't mean to skip you, Nick. I am so sorry. Um, which positional rankings do you think that you disagree with most relative to the consensus? And why do you think that that is? And Nick, in I think his original tweet, yeah, said that his was he mentioned safety. safety. That's kind of the one that I would lean towards, but I want to hear your answer first. That's the <laughs> one that I always lean towards. And I do that because I think that I'm smarter than everyone else in the room when it comes to safety play. Um, it's just because I, I really enjoy that position overall. And I think it's a position that a lot of people overlook because it's boring to them to watch. But I love college defenses they're usually more intricate than nfl defenses for the most part and a lot of people might think that that's crazy but you have to understand that concepts move their way up from high school to college to the nfl level we're starting to see more you know tight front at the nfl level more odd front stuff Um, things are getting a little bit more fun on the back end as well when you're looking at quarters and everything that is based off of quarters as well Um, and so when you're looking at safeties i have a view of what i like in a guy And I think that my safety rankings are just kind of always kind of look different because at the end of the day, like, I don't care if my safety runs a 4-3. It it doesn't matter to me. Now, like, if you can teleport like Dax Hill does, like, it's a little bit different. I'm going to really enjoy seeing that on the field. But, like, guys that can make plays, guys that are super intelligent in coverage and have enough range, I'm going to value those guys over the athletic freaks 
all day, every day, because it's just like linebacker. I don't care if you run a 4-4. If it takes you half a second to process something, the guy who runs a 4-7 is going to be faster than you if he can process something immediately. So I, I don't really care how fast you are. And it, a lot of that is the same thing at safety for me. Things are in front of you. You have to be able to process what's going on in front of you. You have to be able to react off of that. And even if you run a 4-6, I don't care if you're able to make plays consistently. And I think that there's a lot of guys like that in this class. You know, somebody that I am a, a really big fan of that I don't think a, a ton of people are talking about in that, you know, first or second round range is Maryland's Bo mm -hmm. Braid. And it's just because I consistently see him slicing over the middle of the field and making plays on the ball. And I think that that plays at the next level when you are looking at these defenses that are a lot of too high and are running a lot of sky coverages um, or, or, you know, poach coverages where you have safeties busting down and making plays on the ball. And I think guys like him, guys like Tyler yep. Newbin, those are guys who can make plays at a super high level going to the next level. And then there's guys, you know, that I like, like Williams is good. Um, Kitchens is good. There's inconsistencies in Kitchen's game. I think that he's a great playmaker a lot of the time, but I, I like to see a little bit more consistency, and he's still my safety one, but I do have my issues with him. I think Williams is a linebacker at the next level personally, but that linebacker safety line is being crossed now, mm -hmm. especially at the NFL level where you have guys who are listed as safeties and are just playing linebacker at the next level, and I think he's the guy that could do that. So. There's just a, a ton of different flavors in this class, and I have rambled about the safety class, but safety is a position that I'm very passionate about, so that's kind of what happened. Yeah, for sure, and I think, um, you know, there's so many different player types, too. Like, there's so many different roles mm -hmm. within the safety moniker, right? Like, it's not just yes. about playing in space. It's, it's so hard to, in a vacuum, rank these yeah. guys because there's different needs on different defenses. Exactly, but, like, going back to the to the group of players, right? Like, I feel like there's so many different categories. Like, Kinchins, you mentioned it, you know, his peaks – are up here like he's his peaks are the best in the class right the range the center fielder playmaking ability the speed and explosiveness and the, the frame density and the, the ability to make plays and support too but like there's just lapses with route vision sometimes you know sometimes a little late to transition or, or carry routes after guys pass them off right you know and those lapses can be the difference at the safety position it's a safety blanket right so you know you want to see him cut down on those like if I'm talking about in coverage, right, like Andrew McCoupa is a guy that I'm still very high on at Clemson. I think his ability to be a slot guy as well as too high, single high, I think that's really appealing on his tape going back to 2022. You know, some reps of him managing space off his back pedal, like super explosive, elastic athlete who I do think can process route stems immediately, too. So I really like that a little bit lighter, you know, sometimes takes faulty angles and support again. So, you know, every safety in this class has a calling card and a flaw, right? That kind of forces us to pigeonhole them in certain categories. James Williams, the sledgehammer in support, right? Super explosive, super big, but you wonder what his role is in the next level. I think he is competent in coverage. I think he's fluid enough for his size. So I'd love to see him in maybe a J. Ron Kearse type of role maybe, but I, I do think yeah. there's some upside there. And then I love that you brought up Newbin because I think he exactly fits the definition that you were you were providing, right? Like not he's not going to test with a 4-4, right? I, I do think he has enough speed and explosiveness. But this guy is just insanely smooth and instinctive and intelligent and a very, very good playmaker on the football as well, right? Very good in support. Uh, those rock-solid three-down, two-phase defenders will always play at the safety position. You've got several of those in the class. So looking at that position, I think there's a lot of breathing room for that kind of ambiguity. If I had to provide another position because we've been talking about safety for a while – 
offensive tackle is up there too. I think the, the consensus yeah. is going to be pretty split on Alton and Fashanu for OT1. I think I have Fuaga over Latham right now. It's very close, but I, I think there's going to be some differentiating factors in the order there too. If Amarius Mims plays extremely well down the stretch, he's got a big test against Alabama coming up. He could be a riser into that blue chip range too. And then there's guys like Troy Fatanu from Washington. Some people are going to project him to guard. I do think he could play very well at guard, but the more I watch his tape, the more I think he can be a really, really good tackle too. So that's a guy that would crack round one for me as well, potentially. So I think there's so much talent in that OT group. There's bound to be some variance in how those guys are listed as well. Yeah, that's a that's a great call. Uh, agree with that 100%. Thoughts on the linebacker class? Top five? Ryan Moffey. Shoot, top five. Uh, Peyton Wilson, linebacker one. Yeah, that's... This is from ADI Avery. Um, listen, the, the the Peyton Wilson linebacker one train is huge right now. It's going to all be about medicals yeah. for him. I mean, he's a guy who, if the medicals are bad enough, I, I can see being a firm day three guy. If he gets drafted, I mean, we've seen, I mean, just look at an Alabama linebacker. Just look at an Alabama linebacker. So a guy who, you know, we think is going to be a first round guy and he ends up going undrafted because Alabama somehow can't keep guys knees together when it comes to their linebacker position. So I think when it comes to to Peyton Wilson, great football player, but it's just all going to come down to what the medicals say about. Yeah, for sure. And I think like if, you know, as media guys, we don't have the inside inside look at his medicals. Right. That's something the NFL team is going to get a look at at the NFL Combine, first and foremost, right? So if we're not ruling that in, I do think he has a good chance to crack my top five at linebacker. I I think he's a very solid player. Like you said, the size-speed combination is clearly there, but super instinctive as well. I think fluid enough for his size. I just think, you know, a tackling machine always manages to flow to the football. You know, his size allows him to deconstruct blocks and work through congestion. You know, I don't think there's really a box that he doesn't check. Uh, you know, maybe not as dynamic of a pass rushing threat as some of these other guys at the top, but I do think he has the tools to do that as well. So looking at a top five, I think Jeremiah Trotter Jr. earned the top spot for me this mm-hmm. season. I still really like Barrett Carter. I just think he's a little less consistent in the traditional phases as Car- as Trotter is. And Trotter, to me, took a big step up this year uh, with channeling his functional athleticism as a pass rusher. You know, in coverage, I think he's the full package. Uh, but I think those two are probably my top two still. I've got Cedric Gray as linebacker three. I really like his, again, his ability to, you know, explode and sear through gaps and just work laterally, but then also the physicality, entering congestion, right? The ability to make plays and coverage. That's all there with him. And I think I got Edgar and Cooper, linebacker four. And I think I got Jalen Ford from Texas, linebacker five. I think he's fallen under the radar a little bit down the stretch, but Jalen Ford is another very solid player who can be an explosive disruptor downhill, but then also manage those intermediate zones. And then Peyton Wilson is in the discussion. Tyron Hopper from Missouri is in the discussion. Tommy Eichenberg is another really good player, right? So I think there's a lot of solid talent in this LB class. And I think some guys that could end up really exceeding their draft billing. Yep. Um, Hopper's a guy who I think is going to go later, um, but he is in my top five. I, I just love the way that he plays mm-hmm. the game. Um, other than that, pretty much the same list. I have Edrin Cooper as linebacker three personally. I, I just love his playmaking ability. Um, but Trotter, for me, it's it's still Trotter and Carter at, at number one and number two. The next question that we have, where do y'all stand on the top edges in this draft and how do they rank for you? This is from Matt Valdovinos. This is from Matt. My Valdivinos. guy from Rigo's Rag. Um, I wasn't gonna say his. I wasn't gonna say his name because he replied to your <laughs> tweet, not my tweet. And we used to be podcast <laughs> partners, so he's completely forgotten about wow, me. Come on, um, man. what are you no, doing? 
this edge class is super interesting to me because it's just for me it's just a bunch of guys who I'm like yeah like I I'd probably take them round one but like I don't trust any of these guys to be like 10 to 15 sat guys at the NFL level out unless like everything goes right like if everything goes right in Dallas Turner's development if everything goes right in Chop Robinson's development if Laatu Latu is athletic enough he can do it Princely is another guy who, like, if he, dude, he's going to be good if he can figure out the pass rush. And then there's Jared Verse, who I think is going to be a really good player, but what's his ceiling? Landon Jackson is a guy from Arkansas who I think is super underrated still, and I know that the Godfather really, really likes him, but he's somebody whose film I was completely blown away with when I watched him this year. 270 pounds, has legitimate bend, has legitimate mm-hmm. explosiveness. Uh, a really fun player who you can move inside because he's super powerful and super long as well. I think he needs to play a little bit lower when he's on the interior. But that's kind of how these guys stack up for me. And they're all like in that like 15 to 35 range on my board. And they're just kind of stacked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. Man, just it's tough to quit Dallas Turner. I don't think he like mm-hmm. honestly just. For, for me, for me, I, I, I like where his development is tracking. Yeah. And for me, he's still the top guy. But I know a, a lot of guys who focus on defensive line play are, are asking me what I'm seeing in Dallas Turner. And it's like, ooh, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what is so bad? Because like, I see things that I really like about him, you know, specifically as a pass rusher this year. But those guys aren't seeing the same things. And these are guys who, listen, at, at the end of the day, we watch all of these positions. Yeah. We have to try to be experts at everything, a jack of all trades. These guys are paid professionally to watch one position mm-hmm. group, and they're asking me, well, "Are you sure about Dallas Turner?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. sure about Dallas Turner." And in the back of my mind, I'm like, "Am I sure about?" <laughs> and Dallas And there's something Turner? that goes off but that I, too, like as you know, media scouts, I, athleticism and physical tools, I think, take a heightened degree. You know, as opposed to if you're a guy who's an edge specialist, a defensive line specialist. Like you're looking at sequencing, you're looking, and that—that's not to say that we're not looking. They looking all love. At that. They all love Leatu. Exactly for for the reason of he's a beautiful. Pastor. Yeah, and that's not like it's not that we don't like him. Like we obviously do, but it's like you know you look at if you're a media scout, I guess maybe you're more inclined to you know not trust that potential, but bank on the potential that's there. Bet right? on it. Like, bet on it for on sure. Because yeah. like we're, it's not just our job to you know say what they are right now. It's projecting for the future. And when you see Dallas Turner go to zero to a hundred in you know a millisecond off the snap, and when you see him you know bend around a two hundred seventy degree angle, you know while keeping that acceleration, and then he's got thirty four inch arms on top of that, right? Like this is a guy who's got all the tools to be an absolute game wrecker, especially in a modern NFL where you know we're seeing offensive coordinators have evolved. Defensive coordinators are starting to evolve more and more, too, with how they use simulated pressures, you know, NASCAR fronts, you know, moving guys across the line, creating mismatches for their top defensive playmakers, right? It's not just static four-man fronts anymore. You know, it's something. Not to mention, Carter's – or, yeah, Carter. Turner is really good in coverage, too. Like He's a legitimate dude who can drop back and and take care of the flats or take care of – And, like, five years ago – He can carry backs out of the backfield. Yeah, five years ago, drafting an edge like that who – well, he drops in coverage, too. So what is he? Right. That was kind of a red flag. But now Mm -hmm. it's like – Everything you do on the defensive side is, is you know, you do it with the intent of deceiving the offense and putting them in an uncomfortable position. A guy like Turner who can, you know, hinge back into the intermediate zone on a dime and take away the flats, things like that. 
that's valuable, right? You don't want him doing that on every snap because he's a super impactful pass rushing talent too if he can continue to develop. But having that ability to deceive the offense in every single phase, you know, it just adds another dimension to your evaluation. So it's everything is, we all have to take that into account. Uh, I think we got away from the main question though, which is how you rank these guys right now. I've got Dallas Turner number one as well. Uh, I think I have Chop Robinson number two. Again, I really like his ability to work across mm-hmm. fronts and things like that. I got Princely number three. Again, you know, if he can continue to grow as a pass rusher, the explosiveness, the bend, the length as well. And he's a very good run defender as well. Very intelligent with blocking angles. I think very strong, flexible as well. Uh, so that's there for him. And then I think I got Jared Verse number four and Latu Latu number five. No, oh, shoot. I got Latu four. You have right? Latu and right. then I, I moved yes. that. I knew I was moving Latu. I'm fact-checking Thank you, you on the fly. I appreciate it. I, I got to be held accountable. I got to. But no, if, if mm-hmm. Latu stays healthy, if the medicals check out, again, I do think he is athletic enough. I think that's one question that's been asked a little bit. The more I watch him, I think he has good burst. I think he's got really good agility and twitch. I think he's a really hyperactive, you know, energized rusher and the flexibility on this dude. He's 6'5", 260. But this dude has elite bend. I don't think we talk about that enough. He's definitely a technician with his hands, a you know, a super, super refined technician. But his bend is incredible. I mean, it's, you can be an absolute technician like, like we see with Jared Verse. He's got the hand usage, but he can't always finish around the apex without that elite hip fluidity. Latu Latu has that where he can he can beat you one on one with his hands and then roll under the apex and finish those reps. I think that's super valuable and something we don't talk about as much. But he has that as well. So if he stays healthy, you know, I'm all aboard that round one train with him too. But I think that's that's my top five. Who is your top slot corner for the 2024 NFL like draft? This, this is from Durst. Well, I would shoot. I, you know, Makuba is a guy I mentioned earlier. If we're projecting, him, that's exactly who I was going to say, dude. I mean, I just and hey, there's a few other guys in this class, and I'm a really big fan of Mike Sainer still. Had a really good game against Ohio State. This dude has been catching my eye since 2022, right? I think he made the switch from slot from receiver to slot cornerback in 2022. And he looked right at home from the start. He's got the playmaking ability. He's explosive. He's got speed, recovery speed, super physical, right? He plays beyond his frame. And then he can find the ball. Saner still, to me, uh, really brings the versatility and the physicality that you want in your slot corners and then the explosiveness to make plays too uh so i think you know on day three maybe even late day two like he's a guy that i would really circle like this is a guy that i really want in that role but if i'm looking for the best slot corner to me makuba you know his short area malleability and athleticism is at on a tier above you know i just think you know i, I do want him to continue, continue to get stronger but the foot speed, the ability to stay disciplined with your technique and recover on a dime, I just think, you know, he has all of the athletic tools that you want uh, to really be a slot, uh, just a slot X factor. But then at the same time, too, you can disguise coverages, rotate him back into two high or single high if you want to. I think that ability, too, is very valuable. Who's your top slot corner? It would probably be Makuba, but I would also like to throw Josh Newton's name out That's there. right. And also a few other guys. I mean, well-run slot corners because – this class does have a lot of really good ones. I think Javon Javon Bullard from Georgia is another really good one. Mm-hmm. He can play safety too. Uh, he's he's got that dog in him. He's super physical. Uh, Thomas Harper from Notre Dame. I think he's put some really good reps on tape in the slot this year. He really caught my eye when he gonna get when he went against Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, earlier in the season. He really played well and didn't give up an inch. And you know we've had some really competitive reps against him. Tyke Smith also from Georgia uh, is another one who's really good in that role. I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm missing right now, but uh, I think slot corner is really a pretty deep position, you know, kind of under the radar, but it's a, it's a fun one to look at. Also could see Cooper 
Dejean that's true. in the slot that's true. as, you know, an overhang safety type of guy. So, there's a, like you said, there's a lot of guys, and with the involving defenses, it, it's it's kind of tough to pick out. Like, you can't just say, hey, the 5'9 guy is the slot corner yeah. these days. It's not how it works. Do you guys have a comp for Jalen Polk? Is he well-rounded enough to work the middle of the field? Washington's passing attack seems so sideline-based. This is from St. Palme. I don't have a comp for him yet. I was in a wide receiver comp phase a couple weeks ago, so I got to get back into that. I got to get back into that. I don't have a comp for him at this moment. I do think he's well-rounded enough to work the middle of the field. I think um, I want to preface this. I do think he needs to develop more as a route runner. I think that part of his Mm -hmm. game is not super refined yet, but there are a few traits of his that give me reassurance. I think the explosiveness, again, is something that you can use to exploit those windows outside the numbers as well as those windows over the middle of the field. I think that's something that you can use. And the hand strength and the coordination for me is really, really uh, appealing too because in the middle of the field, you're going to get those condensed windows a lot. And, you know, he's going to have to make catches with the threat of contact, impending contact. And I do think he has the hand strength and the coordination to get that done, but then also the explosiveness to create late snap separation. So I don't have a comp for him yet. I still need to work on that. But I do think I I do think he has the skill set to expand into that, you know, lateral and vertical role at the next level. So we'll see. But I'm, I'm bullish on what's there. The next question we have is from Anthony Kennedy. And he's asking, what are the best team fits for wide receiver needy teams? This is something that I actually spend probably too much time thinking about. And I have no idea why. I think it's just because it's such a fantastic wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. Um, Chicago, if they're not drafting a quarterback, is going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr. I mean, you just don't even think about it. Whoever the first wide receiver needy team is, it doesn't matter what they need. They need Marvin Harrison Jr. on their football team. Um, Arizona is, is another one, but Arizona is a tough one because I don't really know what they're looking for in, with this new offense. I think, you know, kind of a well-rounded guy w- would be what you're looking at and, you know, maybe Malik neighbors, but they, with where they're picking, um, I don't really think that that's a big option for them. I think Rome would be a great yeah. fit for them or if they want a, a more of a downfield threat, um, you know, I'm thinking they could go with 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 Franklin as well. So like they, they have options there, but they definitely need a wide receiver. New England needs a wide receiver, but they also need a, a quarterback. So that one's kind of tough. I think the, the one that I love the most would be Indianapolis getting Keon Coleman. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a perfect fit. Shane Steichen's offense needs that alpha X receiver had it with AJ Brown. Um and I think that that would be a huge, huge, huge benefit for Anthony Richardson in that offense. Um, do you have any that, that you really love? You know, honestly, the funnest part of the cycle for me so far has been mixing and matching different wide receiver team fits in mock drafts. Because I try I try to mix it up either way just to be fresh. But there's, I feel like there's so many different combinations, right? And for example, like Malik, Malik Neighbors. Maybe you projected him to the Colts earlier. Now the Colts are projected to maybe make the playoffs, right? So they might not be mm-hmm. in his range. Uh, there's so many different permutations. A couple that I really like, the Baltimore Ravens and Troy Franklin. I think his versatile usage, oh, I think yeah. you can scheme him touches. I think that explosiveness, that speed uh, can be so deadly. And then you got Zay Flowers as that just you know coverage slasher on the other side. I love the potential there. And then the Bengals, 
you know, Keon Coleman to the Bengals is one that I've been a big fan of. I think if the Colts are, they might, they might have the opportunity to select him. Too. I know, right? But then, like another one, if you can't get Keon Coleman, like Brian Thomas Jr. Dude, uh, dude we, we I, I hate you so much for for doing that to me. I was about to come in here and be like LSU to LSU to LSU. Yes, they they need to replace T Higgins and yes, Brian Thomas Jr. Six foot four, huge wingspan, great in the red zone. Like okay, he, I mean he's. Practically T. Higgins already. One more Let's fit go. I'll throw out there if they can do if they can get it done. Miami Dolphins, Lad McConkey. I think he would be the perfect wide receiver three in that offense, personally. Just okay. looking at that, All I right. think that could be something. All right. Let's move on to the next question so we don't talk about wide receivers all day. Where do you see the Giants picking in this draft at the end of the season? And what's a player you see as a perfect fit for them? They had a couple good wins with Tommy DeVito. Right. I do think they're picking in the top yeah. five. They're picking sixth right yeah. now. What will they be at the end of the season? I mean, it's going to be top 10 for sure, uh, but it won't be high enough to get one of the top two quarterbacks. So where where do you go? Or do you want to try to go another year with Daniel Jones? Do you already need a right tackle? I, I think right tackle might be something here because it does just does not look like Evan Neal is going to get it. And that's unfortunate because I think we almost all universally liked Evan Neal coming out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like the type of prospect that would get it. And he just it just hasn't worked out for him in New York. So I think that that might be an option. Right tackle. Wide receiver would be yeah. another one. And just listen, pick somebody who's taller than 5'9". <laughs> to help out Jalen Hyatt, okay? That's all I care about. So I think wide receiver and tackle are kind of the big ones, and it's a good year to need that if you're new. Yeah, I look at Roma Dunn's, Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman. I don't think you can go wrong with any of those options. I think they all provide. And then Talese Fuaga or JC Latham at right tackle. Uh, I think that gives you what you need to to get a fresh start. I think New York Giants fans might spontaneously combust if they take another right tackle from (laughs) – Alabama, but uh, you should not scout the helmet, ladies and gentlemen. What players in this draft do you see rising the most on draft boards after the bowl games combine ETC? This is from Tino. One guy I'll throw out there, Darius Robinson, Missouri. He was productive this year. He was a defensive tackle earlier in his career, switched to edge 6'5", 290. The dude is a freak at edge. He's got over 35-inch arms, got a senior bowl invite. He's explosive. He's super long. He's going to win coaches over. Uh, they're going to be drooling over the physical tools. I would not be surprised if he's a big riser, potentially a uh, surprise round one pick. I think he's got the tools to do it. Jane Daniels. I want to see where he goes from here. Um, I assume he he's not a senior bowl guy yet. Right? Not yet. But I think that's on the – it's got to be a possibility. And I, th- I just can't imagine him – throwing 1v1 slot fades to guys is going to be a bad thing for his draft stock. Yeah. I just can't imagine that. So, I'm going to say I'm going to say it's going to put him into the top 15 in this in this draft. We'll we'll see what happens, but that's where I'm I'm going with it. The Slim Reaper. Who's a player that could benefit from utilizing the transfer portal to showcase their talents against better competition. This is from ADI Avery as well. And we got to go quick. Yeah, there's been a lot of transfer updates so far. And follow our guys at College Football Network, Cam Miller please, and Ollie Hodgkinson. Please. They put in so Cam much is, work. Cam and Ollie are doing so much work. They have six, like 600 guys in the transfer Dude, portal I don't know if right they now. sleep. I really don't. I like. I still, I've, I've pressed Ollie on this multiple times. 
do you do if they you do sleep, they sleep in waves sleep? yeah like, if they do it's in waves you know he, the the european time that ollie's in a little bit he stays awake for like 18 hours and then the six hours he sleeps cam takes over those hours exactly. that's that's how they have to do one it. wide receiver that's caught my eye in the transfer portal north texas wide receiver jamori macklin i believe he's related to jeremy macklin and looking at his tape the dude is an insane route runner the twitch the foot speed the lateral agility the ability to offset he's such a talented separator i cannot wait to see i'm hoping he lands at a, a school with a higher degree of competition because i do think he's gonna be a massive riser if he does Yes, um, and I actually believe that I've looked that up. I, I think that he's Jeremy Macklin's cousin. All right, I think there we go. Because Macklin was a a North Texas guy as well. Okay, just that makes sense. Yeah, in the scene, got so. the proximity there. Um, yeah. Twenty twenty five OT prospects. Have you done any? work on next year whatsoever you guys can look at the uh 2025 mock two rounder that i posted last weekend i I had a few ot prospects in there it's going to be a weaker class on the surface to start i think but there are a few guys that like josh simmons from ohio state if he goes back i think he's got round one upside jonah savanea from arizona the right tackle across from jordan morgan i don't know how to pronounce his name correct perfectly right now but he's another guy six six three thirty super powerful athletic um and then Ernest Green from Georgia, the next guy in the pipeline, another super athletic mauler. Uh, they've always got talent there. But I do think there's talent. There's upside potential. Uh, but right now, if you really need to tackle, I think this class is, is very safe to bank on. All right. That's all of the questions that we got for today. And we got out of here in under 45 minutes. That is fantastic work for two people that love to talk. We got through a ton of questions. And we are so excited for championship weekend. We're so excited to get into the bowl season. We are so excited to dive into the NFL draft for 2024. And always remember, guys, that I love you. Goodbye.